Welcome back. This is our um, final session, and it is a question and answer session. In addition to Graham Logan and Dr. Carol Campbell, we're welcoming Professor Jeff Masters, who's the Chief Executive of the Australian Council for Educational Research, ASA, and Gail Gorman, who is Chief Executive of Education Scotland and HMI Chief Inspector of Education. Graham and Carol, you've heard from. Gail, you know. Jeff, I would like to give five minutes to just set out, just, just to set out your thoughts about the extent to which your organisation is feeding into the sorts of conversations that we, we're having in Scotland mm. and how you think the conversations in Scotland are feeding into your organisation. Is that all right, Jeff? We can try that. Go for it. <laughs> See how it goes. And thanks, Sue. Um, no, it's been a, been a very interesting um, day. Um, I already obviously knew quite a lot of what was happening here in Scotland. But um, I think, Sue, um, a, a general comment that I would probably make is that I wouldn't underestimate the significance of what's being done here in Scotland in terms of thinking about and rethinking um, assessment. Uh, there's an opportunity, if you're not already leading the world, and maybe you are, um, there's certainly an opportunity to lead thinking and reform in the area um, of assessment in the approach that you are taking um, here. And I say that um, as someone who has spent his whole career, that is 40 years, um, essentially, since I was a young graduate student at the University of Chicago, um, working with and taking courses with Benjamin Bloom of Bloom's, Tax Bloom's Taxonomy and um, the, the person who introduced for, the terms formative and summative into the assessment literature. So I've been working in this field for a long time. And I think one of the things that I've concluded over those 40 years is that there really is a need to rethink and reform assessment. Um, the, the field itself uh, is, is in serious need of a rethink. Um, one indicator of that, I think, and I'm not answering your question exactly, Sue, but let me just continue here. What, one, one indicator of that, I think, is the way the field is so divided. Um, in, in the field of assessment, um, we have set up all these dichotomies. Um, we've talked about standardised and non-standardised, qualitative and quantitative, school-based and external, um, assessment of learning, assessment for learning, formative, summative. Um, we can go on, you can, you can do it as well as I can. Um, and I think many of these um, dichotomies have just added to the complexity um, or, or the, the, the complex view um, we have of, of assessment um, and often get in the way of clear thinking um, about assessment, in my view. Um, for example, uh, one of the things that many, many people begin with when they talk about assessment is that there are multiple purposes of assessment. It's a very common belief. Um, what I often do is push back and say, no, there's actually just one fundamental purpose of assessment, and that is to establish and understand where learners are up to in their learning. What point have they reached? What do they know? What do they understand? What can they do? That's the fundamental purpose. There are other ways that you can then use the assessment um, but that's the starting point, and that's the fundamental um, purpose. And I think my point is, 
if you start with that understanding, and I've heard that over and over again today, um, the way that we think about assessment here is that it's about understanding where students are up to in their learning um, and, and teachers making judgments about where students are up to in their learning. If you start with that understanding, then many of these other complexities and, and indeed many of these dichotomies that we've established um, start to become less significant. Um, and I think as you go down this route in Scotland, I suspect that what you will find um, as you develop a more integrated view of assessment is that some of these dichotomies will become less significant in your thinking. Um, Standardised assessments uh, won't be seen as anything other than just another bit of evidence to use in, in the judgment um, process. So that's, that's a general observation I'd make, that, uh, that the kind of integrated view that you have of assessment here and that you're developing, um, putting teacher judgment at the centre and seeing um, teachers using a, a wide variety of evidence in making their judgments um, leads to a more integrated view. And if you have a good understanding of where individual students, learners, um, are up to in their learning, then you can use that information in different ways. You can use it, obviously, to identify next steps, to think about starting points for more teaching and further teaching and learning. Um, but you can also use it to think about the progress that students have made over time, and what growth or improvement um, has occurred over time. So, you know, you, you could think about that as assessment for learning. What, I, what do I do next? What, what should I teach next? Um, but you could also think about it as assessment of the learning that's occurred, of the progress that's been made. Um, so I think, as I say, some of these dichotomies start to break down um, if you adopt the approach that you appear to be taking here. Um, you can also then um, use your assessments to decide um, whether students have achieved particular standards, whether they've achieved a level, for example. Um, but, Sue, the, the main point I'm making is um, that I think uh, you're at an interesting point in, in thinking about assessment. Um, in many ways, uh, Scotland is leading the world here, um, and I think it will lead much thinking around the world um, about what assessment is really for um, and how we make best use of assessment. Right. Thank you very much. What I'd like to do now is I'd like to take three, the questions in, th in clumps of three, all right? I'm aware there's some questions on the back panel there, um, but we've also got roving mics. So um, anyone with any questions, just put your hands up. Say who you are and say what your question is. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I've always wanted to be able to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Ware from the Scottish Qualifications Authority. And my question is how or whether we can assess the four capacities. So Mr Sweeney this morning reminded us that they're still absolutely central and integral to Curriculum for Excellence. And it's those four capacities that we want to develop in young people and to demonstrate and have evidence that we've developed when we talk about assessment, we tend to revert to the traditional curriculum areas of literacy, numeracy, the other areas. So are we assessing the four capacities actually? Can we do it? Where else could we look to in terms of best practice in assessing those sorts of capacities? Okay, so can we assess the four capacities and should we, more or less? Um, Maria? The curriculum rationale. This has been revisited a number of times from different perspectives. 
Who is the target audience? Are these Genesis pieces of information? Right. So what's the target audience for the curriculum rationale? Okay, let's go with those two first, and then we'll come back and get some more. Gail, you're on. Um, uh, afternoon, colleagues. Um, I think there is. I, I like the way you reframed uh, the question from our colleague there about the four capacities. Should we assess the four capacities? Right. <laughs> you asked both. No, it was great, because that's what I was thinking in my head. I think we, have, we just have to be careful because if we think back to um, what uh, Deputy First Minister was saying this morning and what Graham reiterated and has been a recurring theme throughout the day, is actually, you know, what about, what's our evidence? And actually our evidence are our young people, particularly of our four capacities. And actually we do assess the four capacities in many ways across the curriculum in Scotland. Um, through some of the health and wellbeing work that goes on, through the use of um, persuasive writing, through the use of oracy, and some of the different presentational techniques where young people put forward and demonstrate the, the four capacities at their core. So I think it's about having that discussion in school and thinking about what evidence do we already have? What do we ha already have? What would our young people say? What do their behaviours say that demonstrate the four capacities? And, and you know, Putting in additional layering or processes or forms is not something I would be particularly advocating for. I think it's something we should be debating and talking about with young people as we debate the wider, what, you know, four capacities encompass citizenship and, and all those wider issues. It's actually about how we live and breathe that throughout the lived experience of our young people in the system. Right. Graham? Wanted to come in? Yeah, I would just uh, agree with that. We don't want to be sort of over-assessing and, and trying to capture everything. Um, and in fact, the, obviously a lot of the assessment we've talked about today is in relation to successful learners. But of course, we see profiles of achievement. We see other ways in which young people can talk about their learning in terms of being effective contributors and so on. So I think a lot of this happens informally. A lot of it happens in the way that schools celebrate success celebrate achievement um, and as I say, I, do, I don't think we'd want to over systemize um, a lot of that because then I think it can become contrived. We want to look at young people holistically in terms of their development and their progression um, and we see that as they move through CFE, we see in the senior phase now a wider range of qualifications, achievements and skills um, and young people being able to tell that story uh, is actually the most important, most important part. Okay, and anyone got any comments on the curriculum rationale question? I don't know if in Canada the curriculum has Canada got a curriculum rationale in the same way? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, we have a written curriculum uh, which, of course, has a rationale or expectations and a purpose. Um, but certainly, I was listening into some of the conversations, uh, and, and there's not the same process as, as I was hearing today, anyway, of, of teachers being expected to write a curriculum rationale. You would have learning objectives and outcomes that would feed into classes and lessons. Um, but no, I, I mean, I think it's an interesting conversation in the context of a national curriculum, how that informs local practice, but combined with teachers' professional judgment. Mm -hmm. And you're undertaking some um, curriculum work, aren't you? Review. I'm reviewing the curriculum for the state of New South Wales in Australia currently. Can um, you tell us about that or not? Well, I can tell you a little bit about it, as long as you 
keep it in within these walls. <laughs> I mean, one of the big issues in New South Wales is they have a very crowded and very prescriptive curriculum. Um, so it's a very top-down specification of what teachers are to teach and students are to learn. And I think inevitably um, what I will be recommending and what teachers will be very happy to hear um, is that uh, the amount of content be reduced and that there be a, a greater focus on what's really core um, to the school subjects, um, the, the, you know, the essential knowledge that students need to build onto, um, the core content, um, the, the, the core concepts and principles um, of the subject. Um, so, uh, the CFE narrative came out of, of some discussions that we had at the Curriculum Assessment Board, um, where um, various stakeholders, we get together and we talk about issues around curriculum and assessment. And one of the things we were talking about was, you know, 10 years in, it's more than that in reality, but 10 years in, actually, are people still <laughs> focusing on the four capacities? Are people still seeing that as central to the design and the delivery? of what we believe are the, are, are, is important to become a citizen in Scotland. And also, lots of you, I can tell by looking around the room, you know, don't remember when you know, the building the curriculum uh, documents one to five were released. And actually, was there a need? Some of you do, but I was being kind. <laughs> Some of you <laughs> Win the audience over. If you've you know, been in teaching across that period of time, actually, you know, those could have passed you by. And we were talking about just a need to raise the if schools are about nothing else, we're about curriculum. And actually, let's, have, let's re refresh that debate, let's refresh the narrative, and let's think about the 21st century children that you serve every day, actually. So, so the Curriculum for Excellence uh, Refresh Narrative audience is everybody. It's all teachers, those of us who remember building the curriculum, and those who are new to that or may have seen it but not actually been involved in the initial training. Equally, young people to reflect on, actually, is the curriculum that you're offering them. Is that reflecting what they want and what they need? Employers maybe understand it a bit better about actually, and parents. You know, perhaps one of the things looking back with, you know, rose-tinted spectacles, as we all do, did we do enough to explain to parents the core principles and the values and the approach of CFE? So it's an opportunity to have that national dialogue, that professional debate, and it's an opportune time, practitioners were telling us, when schools are maybe thinking about, is it time to just have a rethink about what we deliver for our community? So all things to all people, but that was the rationale. Yeah. We've got time for another two. Okay. Could national conversations be extended to head teachers beyond excellence in headship, for example, at RIP level? Hmm. Um, I know what that's about, so is it best if I... Um, so that was to do with probably some stuff that Jenny and Malcolm were sharing in, in, in your session around the CFE narrative. Come along to the SLF and you may find out more. That's called a teaser. Right. <laughs> I'm sure that would be. What sorts of levels of conversation happen in Ontario? Concerning curriculum? Yeah. Um, so the, there's been a whole range of approaches so there's a thing called a partnership table and, and there are similar things here in Scotland which bring together the main stakeholder organisations so professional associations, teachers, head teachers, parents, you know the list goes on. Um, for the curriculum there is a curriculum council which is a combination of education experts, community members and subject specialists depending on the process. So for most things, there generally is there lots of conversations and lots of forums for those conversations. Um, 
But as you know, with, with, with curriculum, it can't be entirely developed in that way. So there's also bringing in expert groups, but making sure that educators are at the heart of the process has been really important. Okay, we have one on student portfolios. Can we identify a national approach to support student portfolios to suit their learning pathways that, for the young people as they grow, learn and develop skills for life, learning and work? Right, so that's a, that's a big, big question, isn't it? Anyone got any thoughts about that one? I, d I don't think we have any immediate plans to have a sort of national approach to that. Obviously, CFE is very much about local decisions, school level, within local authorities. So I think if we were to sort of prescribe a national approach to profiling, then that could have implications um, around the whole philosophy of the approach to the curriculum, which is, as you know, very much freedom within a framework. It's a broad national framework, lots of scope for local decision-making uh, and local approaches to, to that. So I, I can't imagine um, that uh, we would take a, a prescriptive approach to that and set that out nationally, because it would really cut across a lot of very good work that exists locally around how young people's progress and achievement is profiled or shared or celebrated, uh, for example, between home and school? Well, it falls to me, I suppose, to close this um, conference. The themes I'm taking away are the notion that professional values underpins everything. And John Swinney's very clear message around league tables not being helpful for teachers, but positively insulting and damaging to pupils, and the need for teachers to actually fight their pupils' corners on that, by actually insisting that the information out there about how unreliable lead tables are is, is important. In that sense, the education professionals can create the weather, and we need to make sure that we do that. I'm going to take away the idea of the need to attend to the technical and professional challenges and address them with technical and professional knowledge, both in terms of building system capacity and in terms of building professional capacity. And both Mr Swinney and Graham Logan were very clear that assessment does sit in an ecology that needs to grow successful teaching and learning. And the National Improvement Framework is shifting. You can see at the moment it's shifting views of, for example, things like families and home learning away from seeing homes as sites for developing schoolwork towards seeing schools as sites for children to bring their knowledge from home. And that's a really, really significant shift that the National Improvement Framework is effecting and that we need to be aware of. It can be hard sometimes when you're actually in the situation to see the sea that you're swimming in. I think the idea that we need to focus on professional knowledgeability, the idea of knowing through doing, and Graham Logan's very clear, clear message that improving learning happens in practice, not on bits of paper. I just love that. Um, and that we need to attend to the impact and not the intentions. I'm taking from Carol the idea that Scotland's on a journey, as are other nations, and from, and from Jeff. Um, and Ontario's on a different journey. The journeys aren't always parallel, but there are still synergies and learning points for both countries. And from Jeff, 
I just loved what you said about um, how we need to be rethinking assessment at every single level. And that in rethinking assessment and rethinking it from using a lens of actually real teachers rather than a, a, a theoretical lens, that actually you can create, recreate something that is very, very different. And I think um, to have somebody here of Jeff Masters just experience and knowledge and depth of knowledge saying that is just hugely, hugely powerful for Scotland. And finally, thank you to you. Because the people who are going to be doing that work of rethinking assessment and reshaping and remaking it are the educators themselves, the children, the parent communities, all of those sorts of, 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 of stakeholder groups. And so what I started out by saying was this is part of a conversation and that conversation needs to continue in workplaces. So all I'm going to say to you is thank you very much for coming. Well done. And... Go forth and get those conversations absolutely going, continuing, and give yourselves a pat on the back. Well done.